Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pixels. This is a very tired Patrick Beja because the baby is sick. Had to get him from daycare about 20 minutes ago. And depending on how things go, I might stop the show abruptly to go and take care of the baby because now I don't need to. I have much better things to do, namely talk about video games with Alex Elbisu, who is joining me on Pixels for the first time. Hey, Alex, how's it going? Hey, Patrick, I'm good. And I commiserate with you as a, a father. This is something that we talked about on my show. Uh, I have full uh, understanding of what you're going through <laughs> right now. So I, I'm sorry to hear that. And I am totally understanding of what you may need to do. So uh-huh. that's totally yeah, fine. It might happen. The Dad Chronicle is the show we discussed all of this on. So go check that out if you want to hear us talk about uh, baby adventures. And yes. you're you're it's a daughter right i'm not misremembering yeah. right and she's just a little bit older than you than me then no not e- any of those things older than my <laughs> child uh, <laughs> i was about to say if she's a little older than you then man god dude, this is a weird universe you right? had them you had them early um <laughs> yeah that's right no she's uh her name is aria and she is the the love of my life um Aww. along with my wife and uh, she is a handful. She is two and a half going on 18 years old. It's great. <laughs> we have a lot of fun here in the Albisu house. It's a great. And, you know, it's that feeling that you're holding those the two truths at the same time in your mind uh, that it's great and that it's also uh, terrible. But and exhausting <laughs> sometimes. Yes, maybe terrible is a little bit harsh. Exhausting <laughs> is a better way of putting it. Um, but, yeah, if you want to hear us talk a little bit more about the wonderfulness and terribleness or exhaustingness of uh, being a parent, go check out The Dad Chronicle on your podcast app. And if you want to hear us talk about video games, well, good news. You just need to do nothing because that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to talk about VR with Half-Life Alex that was announced, which is possibly a pretty big deal for the world of virtual reality. Uh, I also got to try the Oculus Link a little bit. We'll tell you more about that. Of course, our impressions on Stadia and thoughts about the future of that and other streaming services. And then more stuff with the Game Awards, the sales, plans for Anthem, and a bunch of announcements. So let's jump right into it, Alex. Um, Well, (laughs) it's almost your game that was announced. It's uh, Half-Life Alex, not Alex, but Alex. Um, Yeah, this is a really big deal because obviously there's, I don't need to explain to anyone listening to this, I hope, what Half-Life means to the gaming community. Um, The specter, the not the ghost, but the specter of Half-Life 3. Although at this point, it's almost a ghost because we know it's probably never coming out or it feels that way. Um, it's haunting the entire gaming world and it's become a, a meme, a joke, a, a hope, 
uh, and all of those things combined, um, Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2 were revolutionary games in their time. Valve has since, uh, it seems, been dedicating, dedicating its resources to its store, which is has taken over the uh, PC gaming world, of course. And Half-Life 3 seems to have become this incredibly daunting, unachievable thing that they seem to not want to take a stab at. So when the rumors started flying around that they would be doing a full VR game in the Half-Life universe, uh, people didn't really expect Half-Life 3 because that's kind of not happening at this point, um, unless something dramatic changes. But the fact that it is a Half-Life game is significant in itself because it's the first Half-Life property uh, in, in the franchise for... Well, that's not exactly true. There have been a couple of little tidbits here and there, but um, for a decade... And that is significant for Half-Life, but maybe for VR. So, Alex, let me ask you, what are your feelings on VR? And does Half-Life Alex, which, by the way, is compatible with every PC-connectable VR headset. It's not just a Valve Index or HTC Vive, the Valve-dedicated headsets that are going to be supported. It's all of them. Um, of course, not the PSVR or the phone-based uh, VR uh, headsets, but, but all the Oculus and all the Valve headsets are supported. Um, not the Oculus Go, that goes without saying. But right. um, yeah, Alex, VR yeah. and Half-Life Alex. Well, what when I heard about this, first of all, I was very excited. I didn't really know exactly what to expect when I heard about Half-Life in VR. At first, I was like, wait a second. Is this what they're considering Half-Life 3? No, not quite. But my experience with VR has been um, I've had a couple of different experiences. Anything from I own a PlayStation VR and it's a good experience. Um, I have some skepticism about how well a game like this, based on the demo video that we saw, it looks extremely, um, I'm trying to think of the word, I've been trying to think of the word to use, but it's complex in its movement, right? Like you're expected to move around in these small spaces. That is classically kind of hard to do with, uh, with a VR experience. If you're standing up, uh, I don't know if you've had the experience where like you're standing there and then you try to lean on something and you're not actually leaning on something. You just fall over. It, it's very uh, weird um, that that sort of feeling. So uh, this might be have this might have to be one of those VR games where you're sitting down to experience it. It, it uh, should but, be noted that they they are also supporting they're going very wide. They're supporting all kinds of movement options from actual free motion VR to uh, teleporting to moving around like you you will be able uh, how well we don't know, but you'll be able to play this game stationary in VR mode. So, yeah and, yeah, and that's part of it. Right. So I am not a fan of the transport mechanic. I think it's clunky and I and it feels like I'm not as immersed as I should be. I don't know if you played much of that Doom game. Uh, that's on VR, but uh, I haven't. No, it's got that transport mechanic. I'm just not a huge fan of that. But what we've kind of been promised in, and what we see in this uh, it, in this announcement for this Half-Life VR experience, which looks great. I don't want to undermine this at all, by the way. 
because uh, I think this looks great. And this might be exactly what we need to kind of ease our way back into the Half-Life universe. I, I, all I'm saying is that, you know, I'm just a little bit concerned about the movement mechanics, it feeling not as, uh, not as polished as I want it to be. And that's going to be hard to do in general. I think, um, Mm. I just don't know how you do that. Uh, but in general, the, the overall plot looks extremely interesting. I've always liked the character, Alex Vance. Um, it's a prequel. It's before half-life Two, kind of, it seems there might be little weird things there but yeah right yeah so i think that we could expect to see some really interesting story plots some areas where we could explore this universe more and i'm all about that i've always really enjoyed this universe i kind of gave up on the idea of half-life 3 um, because (laughs) like you said it's been a really really long time um so i as i saw this trailer and it was a bit of a surprise when i first opened it up and it said you know valve vr i'm like wait what <laughs> like, <laughs> and then half-life for real like that that kind of threw me off and so i'm looking forward to the prospect of exploring this universe in this mode i'm just a little apprehensive about what that experience is going to entail for me because not only have i experienced vr in the sense of playstation have you ever heard of the void are you familiar with what oh, that is? Oh, is that like the amusement center type thing? Yeah. Um, hmm. So it's the entire environment, which is effectively in which you evolve. And you also have the the VR mapped to the physical environment. So it's a completely free range, like a free range chicken, except you're in exactly. VR. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Mm. And it's wild. That, to me is the best VR experience because not only am I able to move around and interact, um, but I'm able to kind of take it to the next level. And, you know, the, the controller I'm holding is a gun and I'm able to point at things and Mm. shoot and it registers. And that's impossible to do in your house. Yeah. That's, that's certainly something that is a tall order for any, (laughs) anything to recreate. Yeah. That's the gamut of what I've experienced from VR. So I am very much looking forward to this. All I'm saying is that it, it, I'm a little hesitant about saying it's going to be the best VR experience ever. Mm. Uh, but I want it to be because it's half-life. half-life. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly it's going to be something that is, uh, well, so half-life has been, as I mentioned, revolutionary in its approach uh, for each episode. The first one was extremely significant for many reasons, including uh, narration in-game. The second one had... I replayed it a few years ago, and it's astonishing how much of the games we have today have elements from Half-Life 2. It's the kind of thing where... You know, it's kind of like music where when you listen to these revolutionary artists from 30 years ago, you listen to them now and you're like, that that's not so special. We have that everywhere because it's been the teachings and the learnings have been integrated into music today. But back then it was kind of mind blowing. That is a little bit of what Half-Life has been up up until now. And it seems like VR could be that new uh, frontier that they're exploring with the Half-Life franchise. It's interesting that they're stopping short of calling it Half-Life 3, but 
that's besides the point. But I wonder if it, they don't, they're not confident enough to call it Half-Life, meaning that they would address, not just address, but kind of um, not have these issues you're uh, genuine, uh, uh, justifiably worried about, about movement and interaction and all of those things. And one thing which is interesting that uh, they put out in the interview in um, with Jeff Keighley explaining why they wanted to do it in VR is the range of interactions you can have since you have the, your hands that are modelized in 3D and your movements are one-to-one -one with what you do. It's something that you can't recreate without the VR headset. If you had to do it on a keyboard, then you, you need 15 different keys for all the different things you can do. It doesn't make sense. Um, so that's interesting as a concept. Um, it is very hardware intensive you're going to need minimum a uh, 1060 uh graphics card and it's a little bit less on cpus but not everyone is going to have a system that can run this um but the the i think the the half-lifeness of it is certainly interesting and i do have some concerns as you do but i am excited to give it a try um I think the implications for VR are even more interesting to explore because this is the first thing that is arguably a killer app or arguably potentially a killer app for VR. And by that, I don't mean that everyone is going to buy one, but I think a lot of people are now looking at this and saying, I want one or I might want one. Whereas... Yes. Most people until now have been, well, it might be interesting down the line, but I'm not sure it's for me, right? And, and here, there's interest expressed by a lot of people um, who have not been interested in VR before. And I think that in itself is kind of a uh, significant milestone. Whether or not it's going to be a one-off thing, it remains to be seen, but that might be the even the biggest impact of this announcement. Yeah, I think that when we look at who this is targeting, we're targeting a rabid group of fans who haven't had their thing for like a decade, right? So if you introduce this idea of uh, Half-Life VR, that is going to instantly, like this is going to instigate this group of people to say, you know what? I need to go get me a VR headset to experience this thing. And I need to, you know, that's going to certainly push them. Um, I actually wanted to ask you this from a VR perspective. How scared are you going to be when you got that face hugger jumping at your face like that? <laughs> um, it is something that hopefully will be quite... I don't mean I don't want to say scary because I don't like to be scared, but at least feel different than it does when it is happening on a screen in front of your face, right? On a regular screen. Um, yeah. I think that is the fact that it is a full-fledged Half-Life game, like a full-on complete game, is getting me to hope that these kinds of things are going to happen. Like, I, to be honest, I haven't, I have some experience with VR. I've had a few headsets um, and, but I haven't had an experience with, with a game, which I felt was 
more than a really fun experience that I could see myself having for a few hours. I haven't had the feeling of a full game yet in VR. And I know there are a few, a couple, two or three, um, but most of them, maybe a bit more, but most of them are uh, PC experiences. And I haven't uh, managed to try that as much as I would like it because maybe this is a good place to start talking about Oculus Link. Um, do you know what Oculus Link is? Is is that no? I was thinking of Oculus Quest. That is right. why I was getting screwed up. No, I'm not familiar with Oculus Link. So Oculus Link is the uh, software update for the Oculus software on Windows that lets you uh, connect the Oculus Quest wire wirely <laughs> wired uh, to your PC and then play regular Oculus Rift games from your PC. So essentially, it means that your Oculus Quest, which is the wireless headset that you have like absolutely no wires, but obviously a less capable um, computer graphics intensive machine on your face, um, that still works. But if you want, you have the option to connect it to your PC and use it essentially as an Oculus Rift with a little bit different, maybe a tiny little bit lesser um, quality screen, but really comparable. It's not super noticeably worse, um, which means it makes the Oculus Quest into kind of the perfect machine for me. Um, you, yeah, yeah. You you have the option. Either it's the completely autonomous experience or the wired with just one cable experience. Um, yeah. So actually, I'm I'm really curious. Are you? Um... I know you don't like to be scared, and that's that's <laughs> fine. I, I find that a majority of the VR experiences I enjoy involve a little bit of that scariness, and also because I enjoy experiencing it and then watching my friends do it, so that then I can watch them get scared. And the it's really sadistic fun. pleasure <laughs> of yes, I see. So for for this, like, would you ever consider upping your experience to to a more high fidelity? experience just just straight up from a graphics perspective not necessarily like the wires or do you oh, have do any you, interest in that do you mean a pc a more powerful pc well yeah okay so like whatever the catalyst is but you know having that more high fidelity um you know visual in front of you or, or does that not bother you from a vr perspective um i think there is something to be said about having higher fidelity the 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 thing i'm more worried about right now is being able to experience all of the cool uh games that people are talking about and if you only have the oculus quest you have a lot of cool stuff but not all of it and now of course uh, incidentally it happens that the ones on pc are better graphical fidelity of course um but that's not necessarily the one thing i i desperately want um it's something i'm i i want to find out but it's not the primary driver um so that is a, a, a factor, but not the factor, I would say. And the thing is, with the Quest and the Oculus Link, um, so the reason I haven't tested it further, it, it's really dumb, but um, you need a specific type of cable to be able to connect it to your PC because you need one that is USB um, 3.0 on one hand, on one end, and USB-C on the other, that's obvious. But although it's not necessarily obvious, I, I thought you needed a USB-C on both ends. That's not the case. Um, USB-A 3.0 or 
higher on one end is enough, and most PCs have that now. Um, if not all, and USB-C on the other end to connect it to the Quest, but it also needs to transmit data, which not all of them do, most of them, but not all of them. Some of them are just charging cables, and it also needs to charge, which again, not all of them do. Some of them only do data. So it's a specific type of cable, and it also needs to be long enough that you can connect it to your PC and move around safely with the headset. And when the uh, graphics card that I have, which is fairly old, it's a 970, was finally included in the Oculus uh, Link beta, I rummaged the house looking for a cable that would fit, and none of them would work, it wouldn't connect, it wouldn't recognize the Oculus Quest, and finally, I got one that would connect, found the Oculus Quest, connected it to the PC, could launch any game from the Valve VR store to the Oculus Quest store, anything would work, except it was one meter long, so three feet. Oh. Um, <laughs> So I spent a couple of hours huddled on the uh, PC with my face in the VR thing stuck against the PC because it was the thing was in the back. It was ridiculous. I bumped into the desk more than once. Um, so I ordered one of the cables that actually I ordered like two or three uh, to, be, to be sure that at least one would work. Uh, they should be here soon. And I will get to experience it a little bit more uh, once they arrive. Um, and but the, the the thing I can tell is that it works very well. So the I mean from what I've tried, but it does display everything as it should. There's no latency, everything as you would expect, and the graphical fidelity is not significantly worse than. Well, I don't have an Oculus Rift, so I can't compare it to that. My understanding is that it's not significantly worse. It's certainly better than the experience that you get on the Quest alone from a graphical fidelity perspective. Um, so that's also significant. But it does make, I think, the Quest, you do compromise a little bit, but it's the best of, of both worlds. And the controllers are great. The It's not the Valve Index, which is the most high-end VR headset you can get, but it's, that is also like a thousand bucks, whereas the Oculus Quest is 400. And um, it, it doesn't, um, you know, require the lighthouses that you have to put around the room, et cetera, et cetera. So the Oculus Quest, if this is indeed confirmed that it works as well as my initial impressions are with the link to connect it to your PC, I think is the best uh, of every world in the VR experience. So yeah, this is really kinda, enthusiastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Cause you're, you're just, uh, kind of selling me on the idea that I was actually thinking of what is that right VR headset for my PC. Like I mentioned, I have a PlayStation VR and it works fine. Um, I would say it's, uh, you know, you're limited. That's my problem with it. So, so there are, just let me interrupt you for just a second. Yeah. Again, I'm sorry. I speak a lot, but the no, good. comparison to the PSVR, I also have one. So the PSVR is a little bit more comfortable, uh, which is significant, but the cables are annoying. They're very heavy oh, so and they're annoying, annoying to yes. plug in, etc. The controllers, hopefully you have move controllers, right? I do, yes. yes. Okay, so they, that is good because it can model your hands in the VR uh, environment, but they're still clunky. They're not nowhere as good as the uh, touch controllers. So... 
that in every way uh, those recent headsets are improved because it's just no cable or one cable and the controllers are are much better so it's and the quality of the headset itself the the screen is way beyond what the uh, the, the PSVR does so is yes. it okay okay all right that's good uh, yeah cuz i didn't want to spend over $1000 on a VR headset for my computer i'm like not that hardcore of one of a VR player by any stretch of the imagination but i do want to feel that immersion and that kind of goes back to what i was mentioning earlier for me part of that is that fidelity of the of the screen and i and it's gotten to the point where i've experienced so much different forms of vr that when i plop that playstation vr on my head it's like okay i know i'm not in the real world anymore Mm -hmm. you know not that i was convinced otherwise but that's (laughs) part of it you never thought you never thought you were in the real world to begin with we're all in simulation obviously so oh we know that obviously yeah this is matrix right um yeah so i i think this is so it as it relates to half-life uh alex to finish off on that topic um unfortunately my system won't be able to run alex well which is problematic in vr because you do need a good um uh, uh frame rate and and latency so we'll see what happens i still be able to buy it and launch it i guess i hope um but we'll see I'm how it's gonna it goes. have it there just, just tease you, you know, just let it sit on your computer and then yeah. have to buy a new graphics card. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But that is the other thing that happened when I started thinking about all this is my graphics card, if I want to change it, I would be severely limited uh, without changing the CPU as well. And so that essentially means if I want to upgrade anything, I probably have to upgrade everything, which is a whole different proposition, uh, which I don't know if I'm ready to do. I've been looking for, first of all, it's a bit expensive, but also I want a very specific configuration. And um, people have been sending me like... uh, First of all, people have been telling me, hey, you should build your own. It's super easy. It's like super fun as well. And I'm like... I have been building my PCs since before you were born, child. <laughs> Don't do not presume to out geek me. Um, you know, I built my first PC in like the mid '90s or something. It's it's I, I mean I know how this is. I just I don't want to do it anymore, really. Um, but at the same time, I want the very specific type of. Uh, components I want. People have been pointing me towards uh, their favorite manufacturers or assemblers like Doghouse Systems, which by the way, if they're listening, if you send it to me in Finland, I will, you know, if you do that, I'll, I'll buy it from you possibly. Um, but they don't, you know, and so I would have to go here in, in Finland or in France and do these kinds of things. But Doghouse Systems doesn't uh, deliver in, in Europe. I believe I spoke to John a while back uh, at Doghouse who was thinking about doing it, but don't think it happened. So anyway, um, yeah, so that that Alex thing might lead me to upgrade my PC, but we'll see. I also actually, um, this is bridging every uh, uh, topic we're going to be discussing today. Um, I also um, connected the VR headset wirelessly to the PC, which is which works and is weird, not perfectly. There's some jittering, jittery feeling, but it does work uh, by Wi-Fi. And uh, hold on to your butt, Alex. I also connected it. Okay, good. 
I also connected it to my shadow PC, which is the PC streaming service. So the server is in France and I connected it via the shadow PC app on my PC here um, wirelessly by Wi-Fi and it works. I don't know exactly how really? magically it's like, it's weird, but it works. I would have uh, never thought that that would work. That so is wild. It it it's. I'm not saying it's uh, perfect or even really long term usable because I'm in Finland. The servers are in right. France, um, but it the fact that it just works. It all connects, and the the blinking light is is blinking, and it's saying "Hello World," is incredible. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. Anyway. I just feel like that. Yeah, I mean, but the the jittery like it had to be. There had to be latency. Yes, that, right? yeah. there is some latency. It's not unbearable, but there is some latency. Right. Um, I think so around February, I will have the upgrade to my Shadow PC to a um, 280, 2080 uh, RTX graphics card. So I'll try it again and see what happens um, with that super upgraded graphics card without actually having to upgrade my local PC, which is going to be interesting as well. I don't think it's going to work well enough just because I'm in Finland and the servers are in France, although maybe they'll have closer servers down the line. But... Um, yeah, so we'll see how that uh, evolves. Yeah. yeah, so VR, it's uh, one of the elements of the future that we are barreling towards. And the other element of the future, which is also here, um, the future is here, people. VR, it's, you know, it's funny, just to, to finish off on, on VR, a lot of people think that VR is this gimmicky thing like 3D TVs and stuff like that. But it's been around now in the modern iteration for about five years, I guess, a yeah. little bit less, maybe something like five years. And while it's not catching fire yet, it's also not going away at all. Um, of course, there's the, the sale numbers are very low. And I think that's probably why Valve is making Half-Life Alex available on every possible platform they can, <laughs> because they do want to sell uh, some of those games. Um, but still... It's 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 still here and it's working and it's evolving. So I don't think calling it I don't know that it's still gonna bloom into this wonderful thing that everyone will have, but calling it a gimmicky thing that is going away because no it's just a gadget that no one wants, I think is very, very much not accurate. So Yeah, and, and just on that, like I, I'm a big believer ever since I tried VR in its current iteration, as you mentioned, I immediately was bought in and I said, This is not going to replace the way that I play games, but it will iterate on top of how I want to experience mm. these worlds. Yeah. So I think that that is the way that people will start to pick up on it and they're going to want to say, okay, yeah, this is a great opportunity to experience the half-life universe in this context. Yeah. And that's really powerful as a gamer and somebody who wants to be immersed in first person or in, in a, uh, in, in a good story experience. That is really powerful. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, it's something that could become definitely, and we're in a place where it could actually work out. But um, the lesson to remember here is uh, Half Life Alex is the first game VR game that people are actually desirous of, and that's oh, a yeah. big deal. Yep. I mean, we'll see once the reviews come out. We don't even know what the free freaking thing is. I it might be complete I crap. <laughs> I uh, yeah, that's why I'm like really opti like cautiously mm. optimistic. 
Yeah. Um, so. so the other element of the future, which is almost here as well, is uh, Google Stadia. It was released about 10 days ago. We haven't spoken about it since we've tried it uh, on the show yet. Um, so as you are fond of saying, full stream ahead, um, yeah. what are your impressions of Google Stadia, which was panned by the media and the public and everyone? What do you think of it? Ooh. Okay. So we talked a little bit about this on my video game podcast, joystick and mouse. Um, so I, I tend to agree a lot with the sentiment that you've been talking about on Twitter. This really feels like a beta more than anything, which is unfortunate, but I, I also take it from a completely, uh, you know, a little bit of a different perspective where it's like, okay, I guess, I guess it is a beta, but also this is what we should expect. Right. I, I think that in some ways, when we see brand new technology like this coming out from somebody who really hasn't been into the gaming industry as long as, let's say, a Microsoft or a Sony or anything like that, it certainly isn't surprising to see somewhat of a half-baked product. Um, the, the thing, though, that that really disappoints me is more so on, like, the, the lack of features, I think that they launched the, okay. When I say launch, everybody listening, it's kind, <laughs> like they kind of launched. Okay. Yeah. This is the founder's edition. Uh, there's some stipulation there, but I think that when they, when they sent this thing to us, the fact that my controller doesn't work over Wi-Fi yet, that's a little disappointing. Um, the feature they, they had announced at launch for the, the limited founder's edition, even those are not available, which right. is, yeah. That that is kind of the thing that irks me a bit. Um, also, so I'm just going to take you down a, a little bit of my experience on day one. OK, so November 19th rolls around Google Stadia launches and I get my email saying, hey, you can uh, log in here get your name and start adding friends. And here, start playing Destiny 2. And I say, great, I've uh, played maybe an hour of Destiny 2. And, I, and this is an experience that I actually I was saving myself for Destiny 2 <laughs> on Stadia. Uh, I wanted to, to experience more of that game there. Um, I even remember hearing how much you love that game. And I said, you know, I, I need to experience it a little bit on Stadia. So I jump into Destiny 2 on day one and it was awful. <laughs> I had I had like I couldn't move um, there. I had a couple of different experiences. So I have a. Uh, an Xbox controller hooked up to my computer because at that point I hadn't actually received my Stadia controller. Um, the Stadia controller was coming the next day, but you know, it still works with mouse and keyboard and your uh, Xbox controller or PlayStation controller, whatever. So I, I hop on and immediately my go-to is keyboard and mouse. For me, that's just my ideal sort of first person setup. I really like that. Now, I I'm not exaggerating when I say that there was at least three seconds of input lag on oh, wow. my network. And, and let me tell you about my network here. I have a gigabit up and down. I also prioritize my gaming PC on my network so that it, it is the thing that has all the bandwidth in mm. my house. You have the DMZ set to yeah, your PC's IP. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, it's not like, there was uh, I, I was getting nine at least nine hundred up and down on my PC at least uh, when I was running a test. 
So I know it's not that. It had to be the servers on Google's end. And that was really disappointing. So when I see Google, you know, anticipating this launch, and this is what this is something that frustrates me about uh, some some of these technology companies in general. You, they know how many people have registered for this thing. They know how many um, codes that they're sending out. They need to prep their servers on their end for that when this happens. Yeah, I think in general, um, it's it's a hard thing to do because you have to be ready for day one um, traffic, which is always going to be multiples of day two and day three traffic. But in this case, they are increasing capacity, uh, hopefully at a steady rate. So they should have had enough servers for everyone. Um, yeah. from day one, because they are increasing anyway in a few months. So yeah, I agree. I mean, this hasn't been my experience, but it, that experience is certainly frustrating. Um, yeah. And, and here's the thing though, that drastically approved or improved, excuse me, on day two. Huh. So when I got my controller, so I, I ended up testing a couple of things. I hooked up my Chromecast to my TV. Um, and then I have a, I have a nice 4K, I'm looking at it right now. It's like a 4K smart TCL TV. It's really nice. And then I ended up uh, hooking up the controller, launched Destiny 2. It looks great. In fact, no input lag that I that was noticeable to me. Mm. Same thing with my computer. I actually launched Destiny 2 on my computer. I went over there and, and it works great. That night, I ended up saying, you know what? I am going to invest in my first game on Stadium. Ooh. I'm going to invest in the exclusive title, Guilt. Okay. Have you have you heard much about Guilt? Nothing, which is significant okay. in itself. But yeah, I mean, I know it exists, but... Uh, yeah. yeah. Very cool game, by the way. Oh, really? Uh, it, yeah, I, I'm actually I'm actually really enjoying it, and and this is kind of a spooky game, but it's more in like the the fun, sort of jovial spookiness. There were a couple times where I screamed. I'm not gonna lie, I screamed, <laughs> and that's fine. Um, I'm an adult, everybody, but I launched that, and it was working great. Except, here's the caveat: there were a few times where I was playing with a controller, for instance, and I would move to the left and then two seconds later my character moved and then she just kept moving and i'm like no 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 no, stop i'm not moving oh. the joystick anymore mm. it was one of those sort of input lags where there were not only was there input lag but it didn't know when to stop mm. so there so was it a registered the uh i'm going left now but it didn't register the i have stopped going left um exactly yeah it's weird that um, that's how it works yeah oh yeah. sorry go ahead Oh, no, no. I, I was just going to say, so so in general, I, I see a lot of promise because this goes right back to something that you talked about, and that's important to me as well. I am one of those people that built computers when I was a kid with my dad, and, and even up to this day, the gaming rig that I have at my feet right here, I built it, and it's got a 1070 in it, a Ryzen 7. Like, it's, it's nice. I don't care about investing more money into my own hardware. I am fully on board with throwing operational expense towards somebody else to manage my hardware for me. I will embrace the cloud. The problem is, is that uh, I, I need that cloud to work for me. So yes, I, I understand. It, that is an understandable ask. You yes, need it to work. It, the, uh, the light is there at the end of the tunnel, in other words. I'm very excited about it. I just don't think it's ready yet. 
I th yeah, I think there's there's essentially you you summarized all of it. The, the launch is probably the worst launch of anything I've seen in the history of anything. That might be a, a little over exaggeration, but it's at least as bad as the Xbox One announcement was, um, which is saying something. And interestingly, it seems, if I'm not mistaken, Phil Harrison uh, oversaw the launch of the PlayStation 3, which was a, cat a catastrophic, uh, Xbox One, which was catastrophic, and Stadia. So uh, <laughs> next, I guess he needs to do something horrible with Nintendo. Maybe he was giving advice for the Wii U or something like that. Stay, stay away from Nintendo. <laughs> uh, no, they've had their thing. The Wii U was their horror scenario. Oh, yeah, but, it was. Uh, it was. Um, but I, I think that's true. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe he wasn't in one of those. But um, if that's the case, stop giving him responsibilities i'm being mean maybe it's uh, <laughs> factors outside of his control but um it, it is definitely a horrible launch um for all the reasons everyone is describing including you i will say for me it works a lot better than what you're describing on my uh chrome pc it works flawlessly. No noticeable input lag. Um, no, like, graphical quality might be a little bit um, worse at times, but in general, it works really well. When I finally got my Chromecast, I hooked it up. Um, I hate, by the way, the concept of the Chromecast. I understand the idea of controlling everything with your phone, but honestly, I think it doesn't, it's not practical i would much rather have a uh, remote control and have an, a ui in there that does things but yep. anyway that's a different issue um yep. there is there was a little bit more input lag um on with the controller and on the um uh tv at times it was a little bit problematic uh not impossible to overcome for pve uh definitely really problematic for pvp settings i was also trying it out on uh, uh destiny 2 specifically which is you know it's a it's an fps so you need it to be very precise um at times even on the tv it was a there was still a little bit more input lag uh it was wi-fi by the way so maybe it would have been better if i had connected it with uh, ethernet but it's a little bit too much of a hassle so i'm just trying it in in real conditions um so input lag was coming and going sometimes a little bit more sometimes a little bit less but mostly acceptable on the browser it was much better sometimes i had some graphical issues and that's the issue with this thing it's that it's dependent on your network but overall um my assessment is that it works or i, I should say it can work and that might be enough because the people like us who want a premium experience are going to have a console probably no matter what, uh, at least one. And so streaming services are going to be a supplemental uh, service, at least at the beginning. And um, the fact that uh, Stadia is now in this weird place commercially, which is different from the technical aspects, but you need to pay for the subscription and you can't use it for free, et cetera, et cetera. And you need to pay for the games as well. That is very temporary. That is going to change. And I think a lot of people are focused on these issues, which are legitimate, completely legitimate, but they're not seeing what's going to happen in six months, in a year, or not... Yeah. Not thinking about it, I should say, especially, you know, journalists are saying this in their reviews. They're saying, for now, this is not great, this, but the thing has promise. 
And a lot of uh, readers and listeners are saying, are only um, remembering the part of this is a problem, this is not good. Because let's be clear, currently, I would not recommend Google Stadia to anyone, anyone. It is like, it makes no sense to invest in that. But six months down the line, when you can click, like, the thing that I'm not hearing enough is the ability to open a web page and launch your game is magical. It is magical. Like, it, it, it is, uh, uh, I think you mentioned it on, on your show as well, like, not wanting to get up and put a CD or a DVD or a Blu-ray in your machine to watch a movie or to launch a game and actually having it digitally stored on your hard drive because it's just more convenient. People, if you say that to people, they're going to say, dude, that's dumb. Just get up and go to your cabinet. Um, but in practice, everyone prefers having it on their system, right? Or almost everyone. And this yeah, is the same kind of transition. Launching it from the browser, it's difficult to explain how magical it is until you've experienced it. It's fantastic. And launching it from a YouTube video, from something you've just seen, and in seconds, you're playing the game with your controller in hand, that is changing everything. And again, it's not going to be ideal and the only way we play for people like us who are core gamers. But if you think it's not going to be interesting to some people and to some of us in some contexts, I think you're kidding yourself. Of course, we're going to be using it. It's going to be integrated into our gaming panorama. Not, it's, never, it's not going to be the only thing for years and years, if ever, but it's going to be integrated a lot more quickly than people think. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. And, no, no, and, and I, I just want to make sure that we don't gloss over something very important that you talked about in how Google is going to dictate how this industry moves forward with this cloud gaming experience. No other provider of this cloud gaming experience it currently has the capacity to do something that you just talked about, and that is to be on YouTube, for instance, one of the most visited websites out there right now, to be able to watch a thing, click on a click on a button, and then boom, you're playing the game right away because it automatically, you know, you bought the game, everything's linked through Google's magic. You're already in your browser, which happens to be your quote unquote console to uh, to play the game that is going to drive adoption and we're going to see statistics around adoption skyrocket for developers. So I think that that is really powerful uh, for the the developers of the game to drive revenue. And then for us uh, as people who play games and complain about having to get up and put the CD in the thing and then wait for it to install that kind of, yeah, there's some laziness to that, but until you don't have to do that, people listening at home, like what Patrick's saying, this is magic. The fact yeah. that I pushed the button and it worked and there was no, uh, waiting for the, the CD to start spinning, like that is actually... The, the game to update and to... I mean, yeah. I've, uh, once the game is launched, it's designed for a hard drive. So it still has to load and everything and like connecting to Destiny servers takes time. But the exactly. fact that it launches is 
Yeah. And and once you they're on YouTube, imagine if, you know, um, Doom Eternal launches in March. And first of all, I hope we're going to get it. Or actually, I won't be subscribed to Stadia Pro by then. But I hope Stadia Pro users get it for free. That's a heavy chunk, a, a chunk of change for Google to invest, but I think they should. Um, but even if it isn't, let's say you can try it, you see a trailer on YouTube or a YouTuber playing it, and you click a button and you have a two hours trial for free of this game. Yep. That is crazy to think about. And any game that you heard about and you want to try, you can try it without installing anything, finding it, looking like it's instantly. And so that is going to be YouTube's and Google's power in this. Um, there's rumors that seem substantiated that Amazon is going to launch its cloud service next year, uh, cloud gaming service next year with Twitch, which is a little bit of what you said um, only Google could do. I guess Twitch is already geared towards um, heavy game users. So it's a little bit of a different crowd, which, by the way, is going to be interesting to see how it works out for Google, because those games, if people have to pay for them, it's going to be one thing. But is it going to become a haven for free-to-play games? Uh, that's also a different question we're going to need to have discussions about, maybe. But um, Amazon could do this with Twitch. It's probably going to happen. It seems they're working on it very diligently. Uh, Microsoft has a whole other um, set of strengths because, of course, xCloud, which is also being tested now, um, has the distinct advantage of being available through streaming or installing the game. So at that point, you have very little reason to not buy the game there, install it on your main PC and play it anywhere you want by streaming if you have the, the good connection. Um, so that is a huge strength as well for Microsoft. Sony has the exclusives that have made the success of the PS4 and the titles are going to, uh, hopefully if they manage things well, propel um, the PlayStation 5 as well. Now, they haven't seemed willing to include those premium super popular games in their streaming service as of yet. Uh, the streaming services certainly has improved over the years and now they're going to be working with Microsoft Azure. So it's hopefully going to be roughly as good as xCloud, which works apparently very well. Um, so the, the PlayStation Now is go also going to become some kind of an option in that landscape. Um, and it's an all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-play offering, which, by the way, xCloud and uh, Game Pass Ultimate or Game Pass are going to interact together as well. So, I mean, the idea that this is not going to be part of our gaming future is ludicrous to me. And yeah. all of this rests on the fact that, yes, it does work. Sure, not for everyone, not as well as local, not in every configuration. It is dependent on your network congestion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, but... It works. And that is enough to make it count in some manner of capacity. So, yeah. And one other thing that I want to talk about is just who's going to end up on top. My predictions of this is mm -hmm. that, you know, I think Google has a lot going for them in, in the future. Not right now, but I, I think that the prospects are great. One thing that Microsoft really has is this kind of strategy with xCloud mixed in with Game Pass that you mentioned. Um, Game Pass Ultimate is great right oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I can have that entire library, and then also, hey, one thing that they talked about at, at uh, Inside Xbox London, and I'd like to look a little bit more into this, 
They said that they're planning on having some kind of a bundle with Game Pass Ultimate, including xCloud, and there, there's your turnkey solution for gaming. That is a powerful message to bring to the community that I don't see, like, until Google announces something uh, official about, you know, hey, this is, you know, when you get pro, you get this entire library of games, um, you know, including Uplay Plus, if you're subscribed to that, like all that sort of stuff. Until they kind of have that out there, Microsoft is is a clear winner, I think, for the way that this cloud uh, gaming console war is going to go. But we'll see what yeah. happens with Amazon. I think if, if Sony steps up, they, as you said, they have the exclusive titles on their side. Some of my favorite games ever are on the PlayStation. Mm. Um, the PlayStation right now is my most pl- well, except the Switch. The Switch is really good. <laughs> but uh, but when it comes to you know Uncharted and the list can go on, but it, that has potential. I just don't see Sony um, moving fast enough to keep up with some of the other folks. Unless they they have been and they're just not talking about it. Well, I think the there's oh by the way there's another player in this uh, Steam is apparently uh, Valve is apparently working towards having uh, streaming capabilities as well. They're probably going to be working with you know one of the big three either Google, Amazon, or Microsoft uh, for the technical side of things. But um, That is also another player we're forgetting, but they all have strengths because even with Google, you're completely right. On the gaming side, um, the title library alone, Microsoft is a winner because many, many of them are going to be included in xCloud. They've announced already that's the case and they haven't been clear on what is going to be available on um, Game Pass, but it's not sure if you're going to have to pay a little bit more, but even if it's a little bit more money, I think it might be worth it for many people. Um, But we're looking at Stadia now with games that are, um, you know, old games, all of them. It's ridiculous. But we know that there are going to be games like um, the Ubisoft games you mentioned, Uplay is going to be somewhat compatible with uh, Stadia. Um, There are other games that are going to be coming out. Doom Eternal is one. There are many others. Uh, That means that six months down the line, again, you're not going to be looking at the old games. You're going to be looking at new games that are coming out on every platform, including Stadia. So that's also going to change the equation and the way we look at it a little bit. Of course, Amazon is also a player. I mean, and and Sony could launch PS5 without a decent... uh, Steaming, a streaming offering, meaning the games that come out physically don't come out on on stream uh, inside the um, streaming option, the the subscription streaming option, because they might be streamable a- anyway. They might launch the PS5 and say any game you buy you can install and you can also stream, like probably what Microsoft is going to be doing. But they could also down the line if they see that it's not uh, taking off as much as they would like, they can flip a switch and include more games into their subscription offering. You know, that's very easy for them to do because the system is entirely in place. So it's very difficult to predict how it's going to, you know, shake out in the end. But uh, it is certainly an interesting uh, future that we're barreling towards. I'm looking forward to it, man. I can't wait. Next year is going to be so crazy. So crazy. 
All right, let's finish off with a few quick tidbits. Uh, the Game Award nominees have been announced. We're not going to go over those, but we have to mention that Death Stranding is featured quite heavily in those nominations, and the friendship between Jeff Keighley and Hideo Kojima and the way uh, Kojima has been featured in um, Keighley's shows in the past, He's uh, Keighley is even in the game, that casts a doubt on how things work out i looking into this uh actually just reading the kotaku article about this um turns out keely is not taking part in either the nominations or the voting which is you know it's good um it still looks a little bit weird it, it now that you know that's true and the thing is Death Stranding can is defensively uh, part of those lists. So that's completely un understandable that it is there. But the fact that, you know, they're so close friends makes it a little bit weird. So yeah. uh, to me, I, I, I'm satisfied with the fact that he's not voting or selecting the games for nominations. Uh I guess there could be suspicion that he's, you know, nudging people. and But, you know, the entire Game Awards is kind of a friendly nudging fest, I guess. So that's not super duper duper clean ethics is not what I go to the Game Awards for. The Game Awards are like a celebration of fun and everyone seems to be represented there. So I'm not too worried about the other aspects. But yeah. Yeah, I think you, you nailed exactly what I was going to say. Everybody's nudging each other here. There, whether he's participating in the awards or not, he's probably sitting there going, "Hey, you know, like let's say if it if it wasn't included in the in a number of categories, he would probably say, "Oh, you didn't? Oh, okay, hmm, like yeah. say something." But you know, I think there there's a couple of things, a, a couple of of um, categories where this is just, it's like Oscar bait. You know, like when you look mm. at some of these movies that come out and you're like, oh, that's total Oscar bait. Like <laughs> best director, uh, like be best game direction or whatever. And you, you see a bunch of games there and then Death Stranding, you're like, Death Stranding's going <laughs> to win that. It's Hideo Kojima. I, I don't know. You know, there are some really interesting games. We'll, we'll talk more about this in our Game of the Year episodes in a little bit, but it... it there are some really interesting, like Control, I think, is arguably just as interesting as Death Stranding. Um, Outer Wilds, I think, game direction-wise, it's it's kind of crazy. I, I'm not sure it's just Death Stranding. but uh, Yeah, I, and I agree 100%, but, you know, they're going to pull the Kojima card. That's what I'm anticipating, maybe. but I'm very mm. much looking forward to seeing what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the sales are going on right now and I'm surprised to find that I'm not really buying anything on sale because I already have everything, I guess. I don't know. I, I think it's the effect of it's finally, I have too many games to play anyway. So the games that I was putting on my wish list and waiting for sales to buy, I'm like, you know, I already have a, buy. I don't know if it's a factor of me or it's like the world catching up to the reality that we have too many TV shows and games and movies and stuff to do. Um, but I'm not looking at the sales in the same way that I was a while ago. I'm not either, man. There's nothing out there that I'm looking at that I'm saying I need to play this right now. I'm really satisfied with taking a, a bit of time to go through uh, Fallen Order, which I'm mm. still playing through um, and enjoying. And then, you know, Outer Wilds. Um, I, I'm enjoying uh, 
guilt. Like there, there's a few, I'm even dipping my feet back into world of Warcraft. Like there's all that happening. And so it's keeping my attention away from a lot of the other stuff. I mm. plowed my way through Luigi's mansion. Not that I didn't enjoy it, but I said, I got to get through that to get to star Wars. Yeah. But that was exhausting. And I, and I said to myself, you know, I'm not going to do that to myself again. I'm going to truly enjoy the moment I'm in. And mm. here we are. I'm, I'm enjoying star Wars. Yeah. It, it feels like there are a lot of like, for me, I feel like there wasn't a lot of games that I felt I just had to, you know, I loved so much that I had to play through entirely from beginning to end this year, but a lot of games that I would like to finish. Um, and so I have a lot of things cooking, I suppose, which is maybe why I'm not looking at the, at the sales, but, um, all right. A uh, few other bits of news. It seems uh, EA and Bioware are still working on Anthem and are working on a complete overhaul of the game, um, possibly to announce next year, we're hoping. I would really love that because I think Anthem has a wonderful fantasy. Actually, you know what? I was saying um, Stadia is the worst launch since uh, the Xbox One. But I think it's the worst launch since Anthem. That was pretty catastrophic as well for the level of hype for the game and the hopes that the company had for it and the way it face planted. Um, no, it's Bioware, right? Like you're like, yeah. that is untouchable. They make all this great stuff and then they make Anthem. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think Andromeda players would you know, want to oh, have no, words no, no, with you. Yes, agreed. <laughs> That's the one But, uh, Bioware game I never finished. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's nowhere near as bad as Anthem launch was. But anyway, so I would love for Anthem to get overhauled because the fantasy of that exoskeleton Iron Man type uh, movement and combat was so compelling and the, everything else was so like there is 60% of a game there and the, the remaining 10% are usually what makes the difference between a good and a great game so you can imagine if 40% of it isn't there but that's salvageable I think if they rework uh, uh, like half of the game the systems and the everything it's it's and I would love to see a good anthem I, I would really be looking forward to that so Yeah. Hopefully it's true. And by the way, Final Fantasy 14 is another great example of a game that they just completely overhauled. And right. now it's considered one of the best MMOs on the market right now. Oh, Final Fantasy 14 fans are, are in love with this game. Yeah. And, and it's great. And by the way, I played the original Final Fantasy 14. Wasn't a fan. Played this new one. I am all in. Um, I'm currently not subscribed just because I got way too many other games going on, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to resubscribe. In fact, I saw a commercial for it the other day and I'm like, God, I gotta get back in there. But it's, uh, it's a great example of, you know, no, no game is, you know, beyond redemption. And I think Anthem is, uh, is due for that because agreed the combat style. I enjoyed the combat and then, Uh, and, and the fantasy was great. I felt like a robot ninja. It was great. And then <laughs> I ended up uh, finding the story to be just, you know, maybe a little shallow. So that's putting it kindly. <sighs> yeah, I'm just trying to be a little nice here. Um, <laughs> I, I just want to see more coming out of it. I know Bioware has the chops to do this. Yeah, they they need to just come through and and create a complete product. Ah, I would love to see that. Um, all right, uh, quick hits. 
the Street Fighter V Champion Edition has been announced. That's basically Street Fighter V, the complete edition with everything uh, coming out in 2020. But you can upgrade to it if you have any version of Street Fighter V currently. I just say this because I, I love Street Fighter. And uh, I might actually buy this, even though I never have time to play any of this. Um, our friends at uh, DLC, uh, Christian Spicer and Jeff Kanata, have this jingle that they use all the time. And that I, I encourage them to use as well when I'm uh, on the show with them when they're gracious enough to invite me it says uh too many games and i think that should be the anthem for every podcast and every gaming publication it's just we should all use it it's Amen. absolutely yeah um, so yeah, Street Fighter V Path of Exile has an expansion, which is also a sequel. I mean, the sequel has parts of the, I don't know exactly how it works, but it's a sequel and expansion and a mobile game. Uh, Path of Exile is a very successful Diablo type game. Um, Shenmue 3 is out and the people who love Shenmue are apparently kind of happy with it. The people who don't care about Shenmue don't care, which is, you know, um, it, to be expected. Did you did you play that? No, I played the first one like twenty years ago, and uh, that's uh, that's that was something at the time. I mean, it was interesting, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, Darksiders Genesis looks kind of interesting. I think it's the last big ish game coming out this year. It's coming out uh, early December, um, and it looks like a Diablo type thing in the darksiders universe they're saying it's not a, a diablo uh it's really more of a different perspective on darksiders but it looks like diablo i'm gonna look into it like diablo yep. yeah um minecraft earth is available in more countries so if you want to walk around and play minecraft in augmented reality you can do that battleborn is shutting down oh it's um it's a little bit sad i mean it was a, an okay game that had the unfortunate uh, bad luck to come out with um, with the uh, at the same time as Overwatch and it was too similar. Yes, it wasn't exactly the same, I know, but it was too similar and it was not good enough and uh, so, yeah, poor Battleborn. Um, and I guess that's about it. Uh, PlayStation 5 controller patents were seen here and there. Nothing too notable from those. Um, I think there were like a couple of tidbits that honestly don't really matter. Um, we'll see what happens when they are uh, actually announced, probably at E3. And that's about it. Um, go get Titanfall 2 in December if you have PlayStation Plus, because that's one of the game uh, that's going to be available. And uh, Jurassic World Evolution, I'm curious to try out, is coming with Games with Gold, which, again, too many games. So, um, yeah. Anything to add on any of these uh, quick hit topics? No, uh, on the Jurassic World Evolution thing, that's been on my Steam wish list for forever. But now that it's coming to Xbox Games with Gold, it's just like, yeah, I'll just do it there. Yeah, ex cool. exactly. December, more games to add to uh, the December list. Yeah, I just, I just don't buy games. I just wait for them to come out for free, and then I just play. <laughs> Which I'm sure some people are going to hear this and say, oh, see, it's going to be the, the death of games because no one buys games anymore. They still get money from oh, yeah. Xbox Games with Gold if they're included in that program. So Subsidies, friends. But, it's all subsidized. But what about the games that you don't buy but don't get included in games with gold those are gonna die well i don't think it that's it's that simple but anyway that's a topic for another time um 
thank you, Alex, for being on with me and uh, for doing the show until the end. And the baby didn't collapse into crying uh, horror. So, yay. Oh, I'm so proud of him. To do the show. Yeah. Proud of you for, for getting through it, too. I know that it's uh, it's tough. And thanks for having me. This was so much fun. I'd love to do it again. I'll, I'll be happy to. Um, why don't you tell people? We mentioned a couple of your shows uh, during the conversation, but why don't you tell people where they can find what you do? Yeah, all, all those shows that I do are over at incastmedianetwork.com. I have The Dad Chronicle, which pa uh, Patrick was on um, a couple episodes ago. So you can make sure that you check out his story of fatherhood. I interview dads from all walks of life from around the world about their experience with fatherhood, as well as subject matter experts on parenting. So you can head over to thedadchronicle.com if you want to hear that. Uh, Joystick and Mouse is my video game podcast. I, I do that with a couple of other knuckleheads. It's all from... Uh, it's all news from the perspective of some filthy casual gamers. So check out joystickandmouse.com for that. I'm also involved with America's Next Top Podcaster. So I was a contestant on season one of that. And now I am helping out um, on the production team for season two and interviewing all the season two contestants as they're being booted off the show. I'm <laughs> um, having a lot of fun with that. And it's a great group of folks. If you're interested in podcasting, it's a great resource. Check out America's Next Top Podcaster.com for that. And if you want to follow me on social media, do so by following at Alex Albisu. Last name is spelled A-L-B as in boy, I-S as in Sam, U. The link to your Twitter account will be in the show notes, as will mine. I'm not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find this show at frenchspin.com, along with another show about international politics. But it's done in a fun a calm, reasonable way. So you might want to check that out. And uh, that's it. We will be back in a couple of weeks for the next episode. And, and soon after that, it will be time for Game of the Year episode. So that will be a lot of fun as well. Uh, thank you for listening and we'll talk to you then. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.